Now then, 7.34. From hacking the official website of Lotte Group and those other claims around Lotte that I just mentioned to scrubbing popular South Korean TV shows from video streaming websites and keeping tourists away from Seoul, China's apparent retaliation against the planned deployment of the anti-missile THAAD system continues. Let's bring in Matt Stiles, special correspondent of the LA Times in Seoul. Thank you very much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So what is your personal feeling on these wide-ranging but well-orchestrated, yet still unofficial Chinese sanctions? Yeah, I guess my personal feeling is that I don't really have a personal feeling. Um, you know, other than maybe the word sanctions is a, is a little bit strong of a term, but, uh, you know, I try to be an objective observer of these things and report on them fairly. Um, but, you know, personally, I feel like it's a good story. It uh, involves, like, cultural and... Uh, political, geopolitical tension between these two important countries and their neighbors, and and then that so that involves the U.S. and that, that's why I'm very interested in the story. I mean, just to push you a little bit further on that, as as mm-hmm. of course um, a fair reporter should be, when you come across a story like this, do you allow yourself to have any sympathy? Um, that might naturally arise for one side or the other. For example. Um, is there any part of you that thinks that Seoul's reaction to this has been too strong? Uh, n- no. I mean, I, I think um, I have sympathy for, I mean, I, I try to have empathy for all sides in the story. Uh, I um, certainly, um, you know, Loti is, uh, has had a tough year. And, uh, I, you know, it seems like they were getting their footing again, and then now they have to deal with this. Um, I certainly understand that leaders in South Korea are concerned about the missile threat from the north, and they would like to have a, a defensive missile system. I can certainly understand why the Chinese are concerned about, um, you know, perceived threat to their sovereignty from the the system. Uh, I, I see all sides of that, and and can appreciate that you know the concerns that everyone has. Mm. But is there a contradiction in the? leadership and attitude of Chinese President Xi Jinping when he publicly supports free trade and globalism like he did at this year's World Economic Forum, but then, at the very least, if we're not going to use the word sanctions, we can say that uh, they're being tough on on uh, South Korea's efforts to extend business into China. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly do see a contradiction, I mean, but, but all countries, including the U.S., make contradictory statements and they take contradictory actions at times and China's got its own real economic pressures internally uh, to deal with but they're dependent on globalism and free trade so when, when President Xi says that I, I think he means it um, but they also feel the need sometimes to sort of show their economic might uh, to influence diplomatic relationships um, I'm not saying that that's a sound policy. Um, I just think that that's the, it's apparently a fact in China. Yeah, and we remind ourselves that Chinese state media has been very clear on its attitude towards South Korea, which is not very positive at the moment. And we, we wonder how much that will spill out into the Chinese population. A piece you co-authored for the Times quoted a Beijing resident saying she's opposed to Thad but cannot live without Korean TV shows. 
Um, in other words, you know, she may boycott other products, but she'll keep watching her favorite dramas. W- what's your interpretation of that feeling? Sure. I mean, you know, South Korean entertainment's good, and it's it's influential influential in uh, in Asia. That you know, South Korea is kind of the new uh, cool country taking over, perhaps you know, Japan and Taiwan. Though they still have their their influence, I guess um, you know, citizens of countries can also have these kind of contradictory feelings. Um, you know, some Chinese, I guess, have a strong sense of nationalism or that they, when they hear concerns from their leaders about another country's actions, they instinctively kind of, uh, follow, you know, and trust to their leaders, um, reactions to those things. And I guess they worry about that and their sovereignty in the same way that the leaders do, <clears throat> or they, they perceive it as a threat. Um, but they also love South Korea's, you know, great cultural programming. So it, it's, uh, it is a contradiction. I mean, I guess um, I guess you could look at in America. There are plenty of contradictions among the population. There are Americans who are vehemently opposed to immigration, for example, but they like paying lower prices for food that's uh, you know farmed by migrant workers. Or there are people who are against trade agreements, but they like going to Walmart and paying low prices that are the result of those trade agreements. Mm. You know, it's sort of normal, I think, for people to, to, to have competing opinions about their country's foreign policy and the result of it, with, you know, without fully understanding the implications. Well, from a Korean perspective, obviously, the hope will be that those contradictions will continue to fuel our own economy here. But state-run media in China, just to pick up again on on what's going on there, uh, writing that Lotte could even go out of business in China. Uh, Weibo users on social media flooding Lotte Duty Free's feed with Leave China posts. Is it realistic then that this company is going to see this being its uh, exit from the country? Well, you know, it's hard to say. You know, Lotte is a strong conglomerate and has plenty of uh, ties both in China and, and around Asia, and you know, is it facing trouble in China? Uh, probably. Um, could it could it be forced to leave China? I don't know. I really don't. Um, you know, other companies like Google, for example, have faced these same kind of regulatory problems in China and decided to leave, and they've done okay uh, so far. But you know, Lotte has invested uh, quite a bit in China, and one would hope that they can figure out. Um, you know, how to keep that investment. And if things continue to go south for them, then perhaps they can rebrand or uh, or sell off their investments in the way, I guess, that Walmart did uh, here in South Korea with, with E-Mart. Mm. Uh, you, know, it, you know, perhaps they can find a way to, to, to not lose their investments there. Um, and maybe this will, over time, blow over. Uh, that remains to be seen. Well, the government here is hitting back. I asked you before whether you, whether you thought it was too strong, but they've suggested here that Beijing may have broken international trade laws. Even if that is the case, how, how much chance does Seoul have of forcing China to change? And could we see the US, for example, stepping in to offer support? Sure, yeah. And, um, you know, when I said earlier that I thought sanctions might be too hard of a term... 
I generally, I, what I meant was that, you know, generally sanctions are thought of as one country does something that's actually wrong, and then the international community responds with sanctions. And in this case, I don't think that South Korea has done anything to deserve any sanctions. Mm. Um, so that's uh, that's all I, I meant right. by that. But, uh, I, um, you know, I, I don't know, I must confess, uh, as much about international trade laws or, or rules as I would like. My sense, though, is that South Korea and China will continue to have strong trading relationships when it comes to uh, manufactured goods. You know, they, they do have a free trade agreement that, that in theory, it, you know, can be enforced. Um, but, you know, and many products that are exchanged in that are protected from, you know, disruption over political disagreement. Um, but, that, you know, doing business with China uh, should remain strong. But doing business in China, as we're seeing with Latte and with entertainment companies and the like, uh, that could be more problematic, at least in the short term, uh, for, for some industries. And, um, you know, what I mean, I guess what I mean and what I'm trying to say is that China can do kind of symbolic things related to tourism or entertainment, but it, when it comes to real hardcore trade, uh, the countries have a relatively symbiotic relationship, mm. uh, at, at least for now. But but this move to, for example, block travel agents from selling packages to South Korea and issuing visas, some forecasts have suggested that could cost South Korea $10 billion a year, um, which is obviously a significant sum. And, and like me, you're in Seoul, you see all the Chinese tourists here, I'm sure. Do you actually see it having that level of an impact? Yeah, I mean, it, it could. I mean, you know, the there um i guess the problem with some of these stories is you know there's still plenty of chinese tourists coming here um i was just at incheon yesterday and all i heard was mandarin um so my gut is that some of these some of these anecdotes are intended to send a message to just to put pressure you know to to create media stories um that that cause anxiety in south korea um, and I, that may be it more than some real larger distancing between the two countries. I mean, I hope that's the case for both countries. I, mm -hmm. I think it's it's good, not only economically for people to have travel, but it's good for uh, people from other countries to visit and to buy things and to learn about other cultures. So I, you know, I hope that that's not the case. But China's a massive country, and its government can't control everything. It, it just can't. And. Uh, people with means are going to find a way to travel to South Korea, and uh, South Korea is a cool place to visit, and people will still come. Uh, there may be some slowdown, and there may be a slowdown among some sectors of the Chinese tourism industry. You know, folks that would normally only be able to afford to come on a tour maybe won't come, but other people will. Uh, sort of remains to be seen. What about regional security? Uh, do you have... Any heightened concerns, particularly on the back of the planned third deployment, given what else is going on? We only had to look at North Korea yesterday to see um, how those threats are emerging and China's role could be very important. Yeah, you know, it's, this is to me is a, one of the real interesting questions in this, in this whole situation is that, you know, uh, every time 
there's a provocation from the north, um, you know, it it uh, it does more to uh, provoke the international community, but it also frustrates China. And so, in some ways, the, the North Korean provocations bring China and South Korea closer together, but also separate them. Uh, it, for example, it's you know the the sad. So when when there is a provocation. <clears throat> Um, you know, and China's still sort of in a box strategically like everyone else when it comes to North Korea. Um, but it, whenever there's a provocation, it hardens feelings in South Korea about responses like that, at, at least under the current South Korean government. Um, so we'll see how that plays out depending on the presidential election and how quickly the system can be deployed. But yes, yeah, certainly whenever the North uh, provokes you know, countries in the region, it has an effect on the South Korea-China relationship, both good and bad. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Stiles. Uh, good luck with your ongoing reporting. Uh, I, and, of course, we understand your, your need to reflect both sides. But uh, for us here in Seoul, uh, again, it just looks like uh, a remarkable response, at least from China, given its own military ambitions. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Yes, thank you very much. Take care. Matt Stahl, special correspondent of the LA Times in Seoul. Maybe you'd like to respond to that yourself. Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message.